Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Your finger laces around the ice-cold iron rods. Despite your best efforts, all your hemming and hawing, the gate refuses to budge. You can see that a heavy padlock is wrapped around the chains that snake in and out of the bars. That's what you get for hiding from the gravedigger. Turning around, you face the dark graveyard, moonlight resting wistfully on the gravestones. Each name and the dates under them seem to be calling to you, beckoning you to join their grisly ranks. Heart pumping, you scan the overwhelming darkness. You could have sworn it was right on your heels. But as you watch, listening for the rattling you heard before, you can feel the chill on your fingers intensify. When your grip relaxes, you are horrified to think that you cannot pull your digits free. Looking at your own hands, you see white, articulated cylinders wrapped around them. Bony fingers hold yours in place, fabric gently brushing your wrist. The dark fabric draws your eye, and you follow its texture as it ruffles, pushed by the howling wind. It's only bones, yet you cannot overpower the grasp. Your eyes lift higher and higher until you see from beyond the bars. The specter that you had scorned, its eyes pulling at your nerves. Your scream bleeds into the wind, never to be heard. Not by anyone living, that is. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Wraith, the sinister, malice-driven ghosts of Scottish folklore. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow. And hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com, such as Destination Terror. You can listen to a new episode every week, as I take you to horrifying destinations both real and mythical. If you would like to submit an encounter, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com that is c-a-r-m-a-n-c-a-r-r-i-o-n at gmail.com you can also follow me on twitter or instagram for information on future episodes his fingers fidgeted with the cold metal lock the lock covered in rust as it was still reflected just how cold of a night it had become Andrew had hoped it would stay as warm as it was during the day. He thought it would be perfect. The sun was beaming and the temperature was nestled neatly in the 70s. Of course, though, as the beaming orb dropped out of sight, washing away the auburn sky, 
A chill swept through. It felt as if the building itself was the cause. Like if he just left it alone and walked away, he'd feel heat returning to his body. He couldn't leave it alone, though. This was Andrew's last chance to make something people would remember him for. It took some coercing, enough that Andrew thought his fingers would crack before the lock. But eventually, the sheets of rust chipped away, and he was able to jiggle the key enough to turn it. The edges of the silver key dug into the folded skin behind his knuckles. His teeth clenched and he felt the pressure of the lock releasing, and it was rendered useless. He took a moment to look over the fingers he just forced to rub against old and rotting metal. The key itself was no spring chicken either. He could see small thin lines of black where the key had tried to slice him. A stern thumb pressed into what looked like ash and smeared it around. A noise of disgust emitted from Andrew's lips as attention was pulled away from the digits and back to the door. With another stern pull, heavy metal chains that hadn't been touched in years started to unravel. The iron snake fell victim to gravity and its links were chained to the ground. The sound of metal hitting pavement screeched into the night, the building's final cry dissipating into the same silence that existed well before. The security having been defeated, Andrew's palm pressed to the stained and corroded door, a large mahogany door that once stood proud, with inviting shades of brown and swirling knots, was reduced to burns and water damage, ash that looked like chipping paint. He stood for a moment, filling the warm wood, almost as if he held his hand to an animal, a small sign of respect before disturbing the beast. And disturbed it was, under the pressing advance, the door shook and creaked, its hinges reaching the end of their days. The paint-like ash vibrated into lifting off to swirl around Andrew's head, a swarm of angry black bees that Andrew was careful not to inhale. As the gap between the wooden double doors increased, the scent of air that came to meet Andrew nearly made him double over. Stagnant air that soaked and concentrated the remnants of the building's former life smacked Andrew like a ton of bricks. With his hand covering his nose, he momentarily considered turning back, cutting his losses, and washing his hands. The smell would fade as it mixed in with the fresh air from the outside world, or he would muster the strength to live with it. He had heard the building was scheduled to be demolished within the week. It wasn't just his last chance. It was everyone's. Within the coming month, there would be nothing left but scattered bricks and a vacant lot. All right, here we go, he muttered to himself, reaching into the black leather bag secured tightly around his waist. From the pouch, he retrieved a silver handheld camcorder. The smooth and high-quality plastic nestled into Andrew's palm, soothing the tingling he had felt from the lock's ire. The device in his hand whirred to life, showing its startup screen and logo before revealing a preview of what was being filmed. It was an old thing, something his dad had left to him. He had a cell phone with a higher quality camera, but he wanted to capture the exploration with something more authentic. Lifting the camera, he peered at the LCD screen that displayed the view beyond the camcorder. A long and dark corridor, Thin gray lines of weak light tried their best to highlight a few doors to either side before failing to reach any further. The darkness felt impenetrable. 
Andrew almost expected his nose to smash against it when he took another step forward. Along the floor, his figure cast a long shadow that ran across the black and white alternating tiles. It looked like the darkness further in was drinking up the shadow, pulling him further into its depths. Andrew quickly inhaled and exhaled, hyping himself up and pressing the record on the camera. Hey, fellow creatures. Tonight I have something homegrown and diabolical to show you. He forced his voice to sound rockier, deepening the tone of his words to sound menacing. A show of bravado. He panned the camera back and forth slowly, trying to capture a perfectly smooth sweep of the land. Oh well, where are you, Uber Drew? He spoke, pretending to be another person talking to him, once he was satisfied with the opening footage he captured. Stepping in further, the sound of broken glass rubbing against the tile and crumbling under his boots echoed through the halls. I'm glad you asked. His voice returned to the deep one he used at the start of the recording. This is Galesville High School. He cheerily exclaimed, shouting into the void before him, as if he was going to get a cheer in response. Speaking to the camera and pretending to be someone he wasn't made Andrew feel brave. It's why, despite receiving very few views and almost no audience interaction, Andrew kept making videos. It's why he would continue his urban explorations wherever he could sneak into. Risk be damned. He didn't feel strong while at work, or when around other people. But behind the camera, he was whoever he wanted to be. And he wanted to be a fearless explorer. With the camera on and rolling, Andrew was pulled deeper into the building leaving the fresh air and safety behind him. Galesville High School was just like any other, the halls chirping with life from teenagers causing a ruckus. He panned the camera around, showing the walls that were bathed in black soot. Teachers who tried to keep everyone in line. He swooped around, and with the remaining light from the moon, caught a glint. Guess you guys probably can't see too well. He spoke to the audience while rummaging through the bag again. But don't worry, I got you covered. Andrew placed a small yet powerful flashlight up to the side of the camera. Tape pulled taut, and with a few once-overs, the light was affixed. With the aid of the flashlight, the object of Andrew's attention rested on the wall in front of him. A glass display case that looked like someone had thrown charcoal paint all over it. Surprised this survived. He wasn't paying attention to his act, causing his voice to lose some of its showmanship. A free hand reached up and wiped the soot away, revealing the eerily pristine trophies underneath. It looked like they had been placed there just before he arrived. He caught his slipping act when he noticed the camera lingering a little too long on a photo, showing a football team. Camera hanging over who appeared to be the team's coach. Jocks, he said aloud mockingly, and returning to his boastful tone, ready to venture further. The same sound of crashing glass and rolling pebbles seemed to become deafened as he walked further in, the air getting denser. As you can see from the damage, he continued showing off the interior of the school, now walking down a corridor lined by lockers. Blue paint had been warped and was dripping off the lockers like wax revealing the auburn metal underneath. This school burned down a few years ago. 
He spoke, a more serious voice taking over, trying to convey the severity. They said the fire spread so fast, some people didn't even have time to leave their rooms. He passed by a wooden door, the entryway to one of the classrooms, its reinforced glass window tarnished by fire damage. He placed his camera lens up to the glass, getting grainy and unfocused footage of the inside. His fingers jostled at the door's hand. It clicked as he moved it up and down, but failed to give way. There would be plenty of opportunities to get inside a classroom, though, and Andrew wanted to finish setting the tone. A haunting 57 people died in the raging fire, their flames all being snuffed out, from students to teachers and even the janitor. The hallway felt endless as he continued his monologue, not being able to see the other end and without knowing where the next turn would be. It made Andrew feel like he was suddenly in another world. When the echoes of his voice died down, he heard a snap under his foot. Looking down with the camera, he saw a crushed number two pencil under his foot. That looks new, he whispered to himself, zooming on the crushed pencil. It was sharpened, the dark filament sticking out at the tip. It did look new, though, out of place among the cracked and sullied tiles. As he inspected it with his camera, he heard a similar snap. It happened too long after he had made the noise for it to be an echo. Quickly, the camera's view darted to the end of the hall behind him, noticing right away that there was no source of light. He suddenly couldn't remember if he had closed the front door behind him or not. The video would capture two minutes of silence as Andrew waited for a follow-up noise. He figured this was the first time someone had been in the building for a long time. There had to be things that were close to settling, and him walking made something shift. That's what he had heard, he decided. A few moments later, Andrew was walking down the halls. The camera was close to the walls, Andrew getting B-roll of sorts, sweeping by the lockers, observing the various ways they were warped. Some had fared better than others. Some people say, those who died here never made it out. He spoke as a follow-up to his last statement, that if you stand outside at night, you can hear coughing coming from inside. Andrew repeated the legend he had heard from his friends. He stood outside for a while upon arrival, but never heard a cough. People say that these marks on the walls aren't from the fires. He scanned the lens over a dark spot on the wall. It was the same darkness that could be found all over the building. High-reaching burn marks from where the hottest flames crawled to the ceiling but are instead where the dark memories are imprinted onto the walls. He placed his palm against a particularly dark patch and pulled it away, then showed the camera his palm. Now covered in ash, he laughed. Let's hope they're wrong. Placing the camera back to the lockers, he continued walking. The metal plates on the lockers counted up, the worn metal weakly reflecting the light. Andrew watched the camera's display as the flashlight basked onto a sheer white face that took up the whole frame. Jesus! Andrew screamed as he threw his body backward, spiraling onto the ground. He hit the old tile with a hard thud, and pain immediately erupted from his left palm and hip. 
He writhed on the ground for a moment, heart racing as he could barely pull air into his lungs. Soft cries and moaning pursed through his lips, sections of the video he would certainly have to edit out. The searing pain radiating from his hands was enough to make him check on it. A piece of glass on the floor had torn through his palm. Oh, that doesn't look good. He stared at the black smudge on his hand for a moment before a slip of red appeared in the middle. It ran down his palm and wrapped the underside of his wrist. More and more poured from the cut, staining his hand red. It mixed with the ash, carrying the darkness down to his wrist. Almost forgetting about the face, he rose to his feet. Quickly searching through his bag, he found a first aid kit. Not wanting an infection, he quickly ran an alcohol wipe across his palm. The ash smudged and moved around, but it would clean. He went through the five swabs in the kit, but the stain remained. None of it even transferred to the wipes. He started to panic, feeling the heat in his hand increase. Suddenly remembering the face, he looked to the door. In the small, eerily clean window was a skull. Andrew could see plainly that on the other side of the door rested the science classroom skeleton, somehow unaffected by the fire. He wondered if someone had broken in and left it as a prank. Looking at the skeleton, a small light drifted into his view. What looked like a firefly swirled through the air, catching Andrew's focus. It lazily danced its way to the darkness of the hallway before resting in place. The pen of light looked like the exit to a long, long tunnel. Back in creator mode, Andrew realized he had the camera and pointed it to the ember. The light on the camera felt like it was lagging behind his movements as its beam reached into the hall, revealing the lockers, the floor, and the hanging drop-down ceiling. Light falling onto the figure standing in the middle of the hall and the flicking ember, where the sudden guest's eyes would have been. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters, murder, mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wraiths are a creature of folklore that will oftentimes get lumped in with their spectral counterparts. When you think of wraiths, you're likely to imagine sinister-looking ghosts. Undead manifestations can often look and behave similarly, making it hard to distinguish what might be a ghost, a wraith, or a revenant, or a spirit, so on and so forth. The term wraith in English can be tracked back to 1513, when it showed up for the first time. Almost a decade before his death, Scottish Bishop Gavin Douglas would translate the epic Latin poem called the Aeneid. The term was used to describe beings that were not alive nor dead. Where wraiths may differ from other spirits may lie in how they interact with their victims. While many ghosts and spirits may be unbothered by the living and will rarely lash out against them, wraiths are typically believed to be angry and vengeful spirits beings that have been birthed by dark magic going awry, often depicted as skeletal figures that don tattered long flowing robes that hide their faces. Wraiths are said to be relentless in their assaults. They will follow the object of their ire around, not being bound to space like ghosts often are. They haunt their target, tormenting them until the very end. Wraiths are bottomless wells of pure evil, only dispelled by pure holiness. If not dispelled, the wraith is capable of pulling the victim's soul from their body, cursing them, and dictating that they too will wander, cursed by the wraith. This is if the victim hasn't lost the will to live, and saw too that their life ended on their terms. Over time, despite their initial connection with witchcraft and sorcery, it seems that wraiths are now simply seen as angry spirits. And while their flavor may have gotten muddied in the mix of spirits, their representation and references within media are just as strong as ever. You can find depictions and influence of wraiths throughout media. Two multi-million dollar franchises have recurring foes that loom and haunt the hero of the story. In both Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, wispy and haunting figures seek out and torment the main character. Powerful beings known as Dementors, chase Harry Potter and anyone who gets in their way. Like the folklore, the Dementors are capable of stealing the soul of their victim. They are immortal and ceaseless, unable to die, never having been born. Primordial and evil. The ring wraiths in The Lord of the Rings hunt for Frodo, the bearer of the One Ring. They were nine powerful kings that Sauron corrupted, with the power of the rings he afforded them. They obtained fame and wealth, but were cursed in the end, much like a black magic spell gone wrong. They are forced to do Sauron's bidding, draped in long flowing cloaks and moving through an ethereal plane. The wraiths are doomed, rageful, to forever serve the one who cursed them. But if there's a movie involving a ghost or malevolent spirit, if the characteristics match up, you could consider the ghost a wraith. Given the details of a wraith, 
you could safely assume that stories where ghosts haunt victims, relentlessly, are stories about wraiths. Like the real-life tale that inspired the popular horror movie The Conjuring. In real life, the Perron family was haunted relentlessly in their farm home. The family moved into the farmhouse in 1970 and would endure the haunting for a decade before leaving in 1980. The events started small, like brooms going missing or strange sounds being heard around the house. The activity would, of course, pick up, becoming more haunting and physical over time. It was said many ghosts haunted the home, some of which were peaceful. Others were angry, though, and would torment the family of seven. The worst of these angry spirits was named Bathsheba. The family believed that Bathsheba was territorial about the status of the house's matriarch. So, the spirit would fiercely go after the mother of the family, Carolyn Perron. Bathsheba would torment the family until Ed and Lorraine Warren went to the home in an attempt to help the family. They would theorize that Bathsheba was a witch that had used a sewing needle to kill her infant baby. Even with Ed and Lorraine's help, the family was tormented until financially stable enough to flee. It said anyone who rented or bought the home after would run out screaming or not last very long within the house. The ghost relentlessly haunted its victims in the home, much like a wraith is believed to do. Stories like these pop up all over. Dark and ominous figures are captured in supposedly haunted buildings. Words are spoken from the afterlife, only audible when heard through a tape recorder. Things are thrown at people from across the room. Just about everyone has a story about some creepy encounter but only those who are haunted relentlessly, without rest, until they are pushed to their limits, will know that they caught the ire of a wraith. The light hung in front of Andrew, bobbing up and down like it was a fishing lure trying to draw Andrew in. He was too afraid to swim towards it though, or away for that matter. His heart was too strung up itself, the light coming from his camera almost seemed to be avoiding the figure. Beams of white looked to bend around, keeping the intruder's ominous appearance vague. Neither of them moved. Andrew waiting for his brain to stop playing such a cruel trick on him. He felt like if he were to move, the dark shape would pounce on him. The ember that first grabbed his attention started to grow weaker, the fire dying out, muting its hue until it flickered away, and with it, the figure vanished too. Completely ignoring Andrew's light, the apparition faded from sight. It was just a blink, eyelids shut for a minute, and Andrew lost sight of it. A heavy breath he didn't realize he'd been holding poured out of Andrew's aching chest. His initial step backward made him feel in control of his body again, and he took advantage. Fear still plagues his heart just as the fire left stains on the walls. That fear made him run. Even if he was running away from the door he had entered, it meant running away from where he saw the apparition. He started to question his eyes and his mind as his feet repeatedly slammed down onto the floor. The sound of breaking glass now sounded like he was dropping entire sheets down. The camera had been forgotten about. Normally, he would try to be hurried but steady, but the idea of the monster kept him panicked. 
the light from the camera bounced up and down like an ethereal ball. The sphere of its influence would cascade onto the environment and retreat, leaving snapshots of the surroundings in Andrew's eyes. He was navigating with the pictures in his mind, trying to be mindful of anything obstructing his path. With a satisfactory amount of distance between himself and the initial event, he let his frame drop. His hands pressed onto his thighs, and he lowered his head, heaving in all the oxygen he could. His throat was hot and scratchy from panting, but the cool air soothed the pain. Possibilities swam in Andrew's head about what he saw. It was in his vision for too long for it to have been a trick of the light. It was there. He knew it was there. Could someone have been following him? Why didn't they chase him? Was it just a quick prank with a dollar store costume? It had to be that. Because if it wasn't... Andrew soaked in the cooling sensation in his throat, feeling the aching slowly dissipating. Staring at the light pressed on his blue jeans, he realized he had caught it on tape. This was enough to bring his intrigue to the forefront. His hands quickly lifted and his frame straightened with them. The screen was still on, still recording. Andrew wondered if he said anything embarrassing while running away. The tape rewound to the part where he saw the figure and paused. He pulled the LCD screen up to his face to get a better look and let the tape play. And just as he remembered, the video showed him moving the camera, and sure enough, there it was. Due to the camera's age, the video was fairly grainy in the dark, and shapes weren't well defined. You could still make it out, though. The small amber light almost looked like another camera recording in the dark. Then the light landed on the figure, but failed to reveal any details. Instead, the light seemed to avoid the figure, bending around it like a black hole. He knew, maybe just from instinct, he bought it into the ghost stories more than he thought, but he knew. The figure wasn't human, not anyone that was alive anyways. He had paused the video on the figure, examining every piece of information he could. The light bending did reveal the shape. It was tall and undefined, looking to almost reach the ceiling. For no reason in particular, still entranced in the footage, Andrew quickly looked in front of him. As his eyes returned to the screen, his heart sank once more. Quickly looking back up, the same scene shown on the camera was the one beyond the lens. Once again, the figure stood at a distance from Andrew. Another ember drifted into the frame, then another, and another. And like a swarm of fireflies, Andrew watched as a swath of ember drifted into view. Suddenly, the soothing cool he'd been pulling into his lungs became a hot Brillo pad that rubbed his throat raw. At first, the figure looked to get larger. It took a moment for Andrew to recognize that it was getting closer. Its figure didn't alter in any way that indicated it was moving, but still, it drew near to Andrew. As it got closer, Andrew could hear a whisper, the low murmurings of a raging chorus. 
His mind screamed and demanded he run, but he was too busy thinking about the rumors about the school's fire, about a love-scorned lunatic janitor who had gotten access to all the chemicals in the building, about the markings they found in the basement-level storage room, the crudely drawn ruins that were burned into the rock, how he made sure to wait in rooms that were full to pour chemicals outside the doors. Sicko even pretended to wash the windows with a flammable clear compound, so anyone jumping out would catch fire too. These thoughts swimming in his head brought the figure before him to life, light no longer being manipulated, and features became visible. Again, able to see everything before him, Andrew fled. His lungs stung something awful as he tried to escape, flashes of the specter dancing in his mind. The embers didn't thin out. Even though everything was still so dark, it started to look like the school was on fire again. Ahead of him, he saw one of the darker stains on the wall start to light up. The veins of red and orange light poured out of cracks, forming in the dark spot. It looked like magma moving under cold rocks. A thin set of fingers reached out from the depths of it. They were just like the figure he had seen, with no flesh or muscle to speak of. Just gray charred bones that stiffly articulated like they hadn't been moved in ages. Moving to the other side of the hall, Andrew could briefly see the magma veins as he ran by them. The skeletal face, trying to lead the inferno into Andrew's world, stared back at him, small embers dancing in its eye sockets, illuminating them like headlights. Clearing the grisly specter, Andrew realized he had no idea where he was going. All he knew was the front door was his best way out. Schools are typically designed so that students could easily navigate to and from the entrance. If he just kept running, surely he would wind up back at the front. But as classrooms and bathrooms passed him by, he failed to see any sign of the main entrance. With the embers still swirling like a relentless wave of flies, he stopped, needing to catch his breath, knowing that every time he stopped, something horrible happened. As this thought manifested, the doors and lockers around him swung open and spat out their contents. Burnt books and teaching supplies were hurled into the halls. All the contents smacked the walls and floors. A few even pelted Andrew, though nothing substantial. The noise it all caused was the alarming part. His body crumbled in on itself as metal and plastic smashed and echoed. The noise didn't end as it should have, though. It continued to bounce from hall to hall, layering over itself. All the noises blended into one consistent roaring. With the embers floating around, the heat in his lungs, and now the howling. Andrew felt well and genuinely trapped in a horrid inferno. Worse still was the figure down the hall, standing with its one-lit eye, taunting Andrew. Saliva pulled in his mouth, his body desperately trying to respond to how dry the air was becoming. His arm became wrought with unanticipated pain. He didn't realize 
he had stopped right by one of the stains on the wall. A figure, much like the one standing down the hall, had grabbed Andrew. The bone digits felt like heated metal on his arm. Even though he reacted as fast as he could, steam still rose from the site. Pulling away, the figure dropped clattering to the floor. Andrew watched it try to use its fingers to claw its way further out of the wall, desperately trying to grab Andrew. There were small flecks of red on its fingers, though Andrew wasn't bleeding. He kicked as the fingers tapped on his shoes, melting the rubber soles and burning the fabric. Andrew scrambled to his feet. The hall was a mess with all the objects that had been tossed around. His head was a mess with all of it. Andrew's thoughts were focused on the fact that the figures coming from the walls were bare. Each cracked and dirty bit of the skeleton could be seen shambling around. The first one, though, the one he had captured on film, was clothed. It had long and tattered black robes that had initially hidden his appearance from Andrew. Still, underneath, though, its exposed bones were just as burned and muted. Yet it didn't chase Andrew anymore, just watched. They both watched as the walls came to life with red veins, anywhere the fire had done enough damage to the floor and had spots dark enough to illuminate. Hands and faces peaked and protruded, their jaws open as if they were the ones giving off that horrible roar. Reaching for Andrew, all focused on him as they needed him. He kept alternating between kicking at the leering branches and looking behind him to make sure he could still back up. This is when he came to terms with the original Spectre only being there to block his way out. Some of the reaching fingers made contact with Andrew. He hadn't realized part of his body was on a dark stain. It tugged at his shirt like it was trying to pull him into the veins of fire. Andrew was surprised to see that the shirt didn't erupt into flames. Only dark spots remained where the ghost had touched him. He was on his feet again, finding himself the victim of curiosity as he watched the stain on his shirt start to glow. Familiar red lines appeared in the darkness, and he quickly shifted his arms and torso to remove the shirt. The white fabric drifted gingerly to the floor, taking some of the embers with it. And just as the rules dictated, out of the stain on his jacket, the fire-affected shirt had its very own set of fingers reaching out. He didn't care what direction it was. Andrew panicked and ran away. The embers in the air landed on his bare chest, causing spots of brief pain to flare and vanish like raindrops. He swished his arms through the air, reflectively trying to pointlessly swat away the residue of the fire. Too soon he could see that he was running towards the strange floating ghost. It was beyond Andrew how he managed to keep a grip on the camera, though it had become nothing more than a way to navigate the darkness. The murmuring got louder as Andrew ran, ethereal and loud over the roaring that was still rupturing the halls. The figure lifted its arms, as if to almost embrace Andrew. The light from the camera revealed the wraith's face, more scorched than the others, a jet-black face. On its forehead was a symbol, 
a red glossy marking that stood out among the rough texture around it. Instead of colliding with the figure, though, Andrew ducked his body and quickly moved to the right, his shoulder bashing against the metal lockers. It was quick enough, though, that he was able to skirt the figure's advance. His whole body felt like it was on fire, but with surging adrenaline, Andrew started sprinting. The same scene played out like he was watching his recordings. Marks of red with reaching limbs. A forest developing in front of his eyes. But this time he was heading in the right direction. He could almost feel the air getting cooler as he got further from the belly of the beast. It felt like salvation. He remembered how cold it was outside and wanted nothing more than to dive into that chill. As he got closer, the roaring grew louder, begging him to turn around and let them grasp him. A few struck at his legs, ripping holes in his pants and shallow cuts into his skin. He let none of it slow him down, recovering quickly from any trip and stumble caused by the loose footing. It felt like he was running forever, halls stretching out into infinity. But the air continued to cool, and the embers started to wane out, making the way ahead more visible. Then he saw it, a small sliver of shining moonlight, a literal light at the end of the tunnel. The fire had started in the boiler room and reached out, trapping everyone in their rooms and catching everyone who wandered the halls. The fire was hottest in the center, but less damage was seen on the walls as he got closer to the exit door. So few hands reached out at him now that he was free to run in a straight line, ignoring the check engine light his body had set off long ago. Reaching the end of the hallway, the school returned to how it once was. All of it, like it was never there. It was strange, slowly stepping towards the doors he came in from. The roar was gone, and he could hear the wind rush outside, inviting him. The door was heavy for tired arms, but he had enough left in him that he was able to pry them open, letting the night envelop him. Air cooled his chest as his head swam with freedom, alive and well. Looking back into the school's maw, he saw a long, dark corridor with a single, distant flare of light that extinguished upon being spotted. Andrew's body dropped, exhaustion setting in, and his legs unable to support his weight any further. He heaved heavily, getting as much air in as he could to cool the fire in him. Then it dawned on him. Throughout it all, miraculously, he had held on to his camera the whole time. He had been so afraid that his grip refused to let it go. No longer with fear, his heart fluttered with excitement. Holy crap, I was recording. He shouted, looking at the camera. It felt like a fire inside the school, but there were no actual flames. The camera was for the most part undamaged. He sat up and went to play the tape again, expecting that some astral force had somehow damaged the footage or deleted it. But there it was, the whole encounter. Anytime he rested the lens on the ghost, flashes of skeletal faces. 
it looked like he snuck a camera into his nightmare somehow. In the footage, the interior of the school looked more like hell than anything. His mind buzzed with possibilities. He had gotten minutes straight of him running around and seeing those things. His views were going to soar through the roof. No way he wasn't going to be a star in the paranormal community for this. He was alive, hurting but alive. Suddenly the horrors he went through weren't so scary. Even in the footage, the skeletons looked a little comical growling after him like some Night of the Living Dead knockoff. Looking to the moon, he laughed to himself while holding the camera close to his chest. The air did start to get a little too cold as the heat from the school left his body, wishing he hadn't had to ditch his shirt. Shuffling through the bag to put his things away, he brushed against an empty alcohol swab wrapper. He could see it sitting in the bottom of the bag. It must have fallen in when he was frantically trying to clean his hand. Because my hand touched the... He whispered to himself, words going silent as he pulled his palm free from the camera to look at the dark spot on his hand. He knew, before it even happened, he knew it was going to. He knew that the stain he couldn't wipe away would begin to glow, that it would burn, that he'd writhe on the ground, screaming in agony. His face would scrape against the ground as the cracks formed on his hand. He would suffer feeling one of those things reaching out of him, only to bend its arm and reach back in. He'd be torn apart or absorbed. Maybe one of those things was cursed by the dressed one, by the janitor. If they were able to drag a soul down with them, maybe they'd be free from the school. He knows, and so, before the burning even began, he swung his arm down and smashed the camera, clinging onto a jagged piece of metal. It broke perfectly like it was always meant to be. As he stared into the face of the figure hovering in the air at the gate to the school grounds, Andrew dragged the piece of plastic across his neck, and there, Andrew died, <coughs> coughing. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror, also hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>